Welcome in episode three. Yeah, that sounds right. If not, hey, I'll fix it in post. Welcome in to the latest episode of Five Game Sweep, a Detroit sports podcast. I am your host, Anthony Broom. We didn't have a show last week. Sorry about that. I need to stop over-promising and under-delivering. As it turns out, when you work in sports, you work in college sports, you work in college football, launching a podcast two weeks before the season starts is not the best business idea in the world. But thank God there is no business on the line here. It's a hobby. I do it when I please. I come and go as I please. I set the tone here, which is nice. It's nice to be your own boss like that. But welcome back. Obviously, football season is in full swing with NFL games in the books. By the time you guys hear this on Thursday, we'll be getting ready for week two of games. So hopefully everyone's team is off to a good start. Ours isn't, obviously. Well, you're a Detroit sports fan. That's why you're here. Your team is never off to a good start. But I hope your fantasy teams are off to a good start. So it's good to be back. Obviously, this is going to be a Lions episode. There's not really anything else going on right now. Uh, The Tigers continue to do what they do, continue to be a pain in the ass to teams over 500. Just came off a two-game sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers, which is a lot of fun. They're 70-76 and now. I said at the start of the year that if AJ could find a way to drag this dog roster to 70 wins, he should be AL Coach of the Year, and he's done it with, what, half a month to go still? So uh, kudos to them. They're, we haven't learned anything new about them in the last couple months. Like, we know what they are. We know what direction that's heading. Good job, AJ Hinch. But obviously, football-heavy episode today. No guests today. It's just me. We'll talk what we saw from the Lions in Week 1, some big storylines moving forward. Wasn't a great look. Uh, We don't have a guest this week. Uh, I think I said that already. I'm jumping around. That's what happens when you record late at night after a long work day. A lot of stuff going on right now. That's why the podcast hasn't quite been as active as I hoped it would be. Very excited with how football season has started for yours truly. But this is a pro sports show, and we're here to talk about our pro sports team, namely our team as the Detroit Lions. So week one, Comes and goes. The Dan Campbell era is officially underway. The Lions lose 41-33 to the San Francisco 49ers. And, and guys, you know people are going to look at that. People may have checked out already because we knew like coming into the year this team was going to suck. Like This is the first of a two, three, maybe a four-year rebuild. First year of all that. So they're at the ground floor of what's going on right now. It's going to be a rough look. And I wrote about it last week. You did get a newsletter post. A nice little... Nice little bite-sized season preview, so definitely go check that out. Um, with with the outlook of this team, I wouldn't be surprised if you are using your Sundays this year to go to the cider mill or do stuff outside. The weather's been gorgeous. Michigan's an amazing state always, but namely this time of year when the colors start to change and the cider mills are open, all this kind of uh, you know the corn mazes, all that type of stuff is going on. So I wouldn't blame you if you earmarked your Sundays for honeydew time, for family time. But if you're that person, you may have looked at this game and went 41-33. Wow, you know, they fought. They, they, they took some kneecaps. I'm so tired of hearing that, by the way. Uh, this team fought. Wow, you know, eight-point loss. It was never that close. Um, 
this is a bad football team. I don't know. That's that's my most astute observation about what we're seeing so far. They're talent deficient at almost every position group on the roster, except for a few, which we'll talk about here. I want to kind of do good things, bad things, because we could easily get bogged down in all the bad. Let's start out with some of the good stuff. The biggest storyline of the week for the Lions was that Penny Suell, uh, well, first Taylor Decker goes down with a finger or a hand injury, is thrown on IR. I think they said he's out four to six weeks, something like that. That's your starting left tackle. And that kind of sent people into panic mode, given that Penny Sewell has been repping at right tackle since he arrived in Allen Park. And on 72 hours notice, Matt Nelson gets thrown into the starting lineup at right tackle. And Sewell gets thrown in a position that he played in in college, sure, left tackle. But he hasn't played football in 18 months. So the fact that like that was a big storyline coming into this game. And it pits him up against a guy in, in Nick Bosa who doesn't matter. Nick, Bo, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Bosa D's nuts, doesn't matter. Those guys are legit. Those guys are animals. They're two of the best pass rushers in the league. Nick Bosa, when healthy, one of the best pass rushers in the league. And the best you could say is Penny Sewell didn't just hold his own. He played pretty damn good. He looked awesome. The best thing you can say about an offensive lineman's performance is that you didn't hear his name throughout the game. And you barely noticed he was out there. And that's good. That's the one position where you don't want that to be the case. You didn't notice he was out there. And you certainly barely noticed that Nick Bosa was out there. So really, really nice job by him. That's... Listen, I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna take the low-hanging fruit. Uh, sports talk radio. What would you do with this guy? What, what What should they do when Decker gets back? Like, let them sort that out. Uh, I think they're. I can't believe I'm saying this about the Detroit Lions. I think they have some pretty smart football people in place. Some smart coaches in place. That'll sort itself out. But Penny Sewell, obviously the future. Maybe the future is now. Like we assume he'll be their left tackle the next ten to twelve years. But maybe he's their left tackle now. Maybe Taylor Decker has to adjust. I don't know. Other good things about this performance. They have the they have it looks what looks like the bones of a really good run game. Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, those guys both had moments on Sunday. The offensive line in general was mashing, especially that left side of the line. Pretty much from Ragnow on left. That's that's what it's supposed to look like. When you put the resources into your offensive line that, that this franchise has. And I know, you know, Bob Quinn, tip of the cap, you probably drafted the best center in football. Jonah Jackson, good pick. Guy that's got promise. Tip of the cap, Bob. Taylor Decker. We know what he is. Just got paid by the new regime. Good job. Good on you. So, so that looks good. Everything's kind of by design there. That's what it's got to, that's what it's got to look like. Uh, the backs were good. TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. Those guys are going to catch 80, 85 balls apiece this year. That's just going to have to kind of be what it looks like if this team is going to go on drives. Like They're not going to... This isn't a team that's going to go six plays, 78 yards down the field and then score touchdowns. It's going to be 10 play drives, 11 play drives, 12 play drives. And that's where I think that Anthony Lynn, I thought he called a pretty good game. Things got away from them. I mean, the Lions trailed 31 to 10 at the half. One of those scores from San Francisco was a pick six by Jared Goff. We'll get to him in a second. 
but you more or less, you look at anyone who watched training camp practices, anyone who watched preseason games, that's pretty much how the Lions are going to have to win games, grinding it out on the ground, taking things five, six, seven yards at a time. I like that Dan Campbell was aggressive. He knows he knows what he has. He's not an idiot. If nothing else, that guy is extremely uh, genuine and very self-aware. He knows what he knows what they have this year. He knows what he walked into. They gave him a six-year deal. And the way this looks right now, we're not even going to know how to judge this guy until at least year three. But I like what I saw on Sunday out of him. He was aggressive, going for it on fourth down when the chances uh, presented themselves. He knows what he has. And and they, the organization is more or less punting this season to figure out what they have. But they want to compete too. They want to put themselves in positions to win. You know, the, the mark of a good coach is putting your players in positions to succeed. And you can't learn the type of character that's on your roster, the type of talent that's on your roster, the type of playmakers that are on your roster, unless you put them in those aggressive, competitive type of situations. You're not going to learn anything about anyone losing 41-17. So I liked how they fought. I liked how aggressive he was. The fight at the end of the game. Like I said, this team was down 41-17 with... uh, what, two minutes to go? You fast forward, a couple things happen here and there. Stop here, score there, turn over there. Jared Goff has the ball in his hands with a chance to lead a, a game-tying drive. Incredible. Incredible fight from those guys. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be careful not to compliment them too much because I think as a professional, especially a professional football player, Competing and fighting, that's like a baseline expectation of what you should do. But I know in this type of game, in a Matt Patricia coached era, they probably fold, uh, they're folding down 41-17. That game probably ends uh, 51-20. I I don't know. So good on them. I mean, I think the culture stuff is real. It's so overblown. I get it. People are tired of hearing about the culture, the culture, the culture. You know when you have a good culture is when you win football games. Lions haven't won football games enough since 1957. You guys know what the bit is. Team fought bat. Jared Goff had a chance to tie this ball game up. And that's where we move into the bad things. The very bad things. Uh, Jared Goff is as advertised. Matthew Stafford is as advertised. He looked awesome for that. I don't want to do the comparison thing, but it's just a, you know, two sides of the coin. It's, you kind of saw why the Lions got that extra first round pick. They did the Rams a favor. Uh, Jared Goff was terrible. And again, if you're someone who's a cider mill guy or a box score watcher, you look at this game and you go, huh, 338 yards? Three touchdowns, one pick? Isn't that basically what Matthew Stafford did for this team? Pat his stats at the end of the game, huh? No. Uh, 
Jared Goff threw the football 57 times at 5.9 yards per attempt. Guys, and that's them airing the ball out later on in the game. Let, let me go through here. I have the pro football reference pulled up. NFL yards per pass attempt career leaders. So these are the guys, uh, you know, for reference, uh, where is Matthew Stafford? Because we're going to do the comparison. I'm taking the low-hanging fruit. Matthew Stafford's career yards per attempt, 7.3 yards. That puts him tied for 48th all-time. So, I mean, it's not it's not bad. Patrick Mahomes, 8.4. Deshaun Watson, 8.3. Russell Wilson, 7.8. These are all active guys. 5.9 yards per attempt. Let me read you off some of the names of guys who in their career... And I should grab Jared Goff's too. Hold on, that's not fair to him. Got to scroll down the page a little bit. Sorry, he's not quite at the top of the rankings here. So Jared Goff, 7.5 yards per attempt in his career. He was 5.9 on Sunday. A lot of people will tell you like 6.5. You know, six. Usually around seven is about average. Uh, Derek Carr, 7 yards per attempt. Andy Dalton, 7 yards per attempt. Matthew Stafford, 7.3 yards per attempt. So, like, that's kind of where the average is. 5.9 yards per attempt. Uh, The only active guy who's close to that right now is Blaine Gabbert. 6.1 yards per attempt. Let me read you off some names of guys in that ballpark uh, for their career. Kyle Bowler, 5.9 yards per attempt. Rick Meyer, same deal. Mike Phipps. Joey Harrington, wow, okay, there's a Lions tie here. 5.8 yards per attempt. So we're not exactly listing off Fran Tarkenton here. So you throw the ball 57 times. I mean, Jared Goff, he he is what we saw at the end of last year with the Rams and, and what they saw in camp. He's a guy who's not confident. He doesn't look to throw the ball down the field at all. The ball comes out slow. His accuracy is all over the place, and he's good for one Dumb mistake every game. In this case, it was a pick six in the second quarter. So don't 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 tell me 338 yards, three touchdowns. That looks a lot like what Matthew Stafford did here. No. Uh, his QBR, if you're an ESPN person, was 24.8. Now QBR is a metric that basically it goes through charts every play, every game situation, takes that performance in that in the the snapshot of that game it says more or less says uh, 24.8% of the time this stat line will lead to a victory 24.8 that was his QBR on Sunday now for reference Jimmy Garoppolo 17 for 25 314 yards 12.6 yards per attempt that we'll, we'll talk about that Lions defense here in a second 74.6 QBR so Jared Goff it's. I just don't know if that confidence is going to be there, man. He kind of just is what he is at this point. I'm sure at some point they're going to complete a deep ball, but then who do you have at wide receiver? Speaking of guys are as advertised. The Lions' most targeted wide receiver on Sunday was Khalif Raymond. He was, he was signed to return kicks, you guys. Four targets. Amonra St. Brown, four targets. Oh, I'm sorry. Trinity Benson, six targets, three catches, 19 yards. 
Tyrell Williams, two catches, 14 yards. Quintez Cephas, three catches, 12 yards. You see, are, are you sensing a pattern here? This offense, it, it's rough. The, the passing game is going to be rough. You know, it's like, uh, and this is no no disrespect to the late Kobe Bryant, but it's like when Kobe goes out and shoots, scores 30 points on 8 of 26 shooting. Yeah. When you're taking that many shots, you better put up that, you better put up a line like that. Now, Jared, Jared Goff is bad, and I don't see how that's going to improve. You don't go from a system that's much better you're much more support now. I'll say he's got a good offensive line. It looks like he has a good run game, but if these teams are going to stuff the box, you're you're not just you're not going to get away. And they didn't get away with this. You dump it down to T.J. Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, all you want doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. So don't don't cite the. Please don't don't look at the yards and touchdowns. You you may as well say that Jared Goff is a more uh, you know a more winning quarterback in his career than Matthew Stafford is. You saw what the difference was. Matthew Stafford, ball comes out quick, ripping the ball down the field. He did those things here. Like I said, it was the right move to do what the Lions did. It worked out. But the the, the quarterback of the future is not on this roster right now. And I don't even know if he's in, if he's coming out of the college ranks this year, to be honest with you. Over the defense, uh, you know, you look at the box score. Again, we're, we're box score looking here. 311 yards passing. It, it felt like more than that. 131 yards rushing. It certainly felt like more than that. I was about to say that wasn't too terrible a performance, but yeah, it was bad. Almost 450 yards of total offense. Bad. Yeah, there's not a single playmaker on that defense right now. No, Trey Fowler, Fowler, uh, Trey Fowlers, Trey Flowers, forced a fumble at the end of the game. But Tracy Walker's fine. Other than that, Will Harris. I hope he wasn't a geometry major at Boston College because his angles are yikes. I was pretty disappointed in that defensive line. Like I know Alim McNeil is a rookie. I know that uh, Onzarike didn't play. He was inactive, but. Didn't see a ton out of Michael Brockers. Any of those guys up front, really. Those guys are getting pushed around and blown off the ball. And I'm not... Jury's not... Jury is still kind of out on them. This is a bad matchup for them in Game 1. Kyle Shanahan is a wizard. His No one schemes the run game better than he does. And obviously, the Lions defensive backs are traffic cones. So, Debo Samuel had a hell of a day sitting on my fantasy bench. Good job, Anthony. Just not a... Didn't like what I saw there. Jeff Okuda. And this is the biggest prob- the biggest talking point we'll discuss here right now. is probably Jeff Okuda. It sucks. He's out for the year. Blew his Achilles out. First play. He's only played 10 career games. First, or not first play, but first game of the year. Blows out his Achilles, and he didn't look great. He got beat a few times, made some plays here and there. Still a work in progress. 
but he's done. That's his rookie year was bad, and now he's not going to play at all his sophomore year in the league. Number three overall pick. Done. And I don't want to label him a bust, but he's... uh, It's hard to say that he's the number one corner of the future. Like, you have to... Cornerback is one of your top needs going into next year now because at best, Jeff Okuda might be your number two now. Maybe he switches to safety. You know, you blow out an Achilles. That's a big deal. That That's... A lot of guys can come back from that, but guys have trouble trusting their Achilles again too because you're you're always worried that it's going to pop or something will happen there. Not good, guys. Uh, Omani Oruwarie, yeah, I mean, he's worth a roster spot probably on a lot of teams, but I don't know if he's a top-two corner. Ifadu Melifanwu is is a starting cornerback now when you don't even we didn't even know a couple months ago if he's gonna play corner or safety. Scary stuff, man. They're gonna have to sign someone. It looks like they're bringing back Quentin Dunbar, which again, whatever. Anyone you get right now is just you're you're just it's not it's not quite the flex seal, um the flex seal boat that you see on the commercial where no water's getting through. No, you're it's more or less you're the Dutch boy sticking the finger in the dam. Not good. Not good. That sucks for Jeff Okuda. Again, one of the most, for what my dumbass is worth, my my opinion, one of the most complete corners I'd seen play in college. Coming from a place that typically develops pretty good NFL corners in Ohio State. Can we talk about this Aubrey Pleasant thing for a second? Because I know there there was the viral clip of him getting in Akuda's face and chewing him out. And Steve Smith said, oh, this is this is the first sign that this is a ticking time bomb in Detroit. I mean, that's... I mean, every time... I, I just... I don't buy that stuff. Aubrey Pleasant is, is one of the most coveted defensive backs coaches at any level of football. Michigan, the University of Michigan had been trying to hire him, or at least he'd been on the short list. Um, you know, for people in the know, for for jobs in college, obviously well regarded. The Rams, like that, was a pretty big loss for him. You know, for the Rams to lose him. Different guys need to be coached differently, and there, there's always this outrage whenever, you know, it's not Bobby Knight hurling a chair, or. You know, someone being like a coach assaulting someone coming off the, the field. He's getting in someone's face. Football's an emotional sport. It's the same deal like we're throwing. We complain about how they're going to, how they throw flags when someone shows like an, a, just a, a sliver of emotion on the field. Football's an emotional game and guys are charged up. There's a lot of adrenaline going. So for someone to get yelled at on the sideline, that just doesn't, doesn't register as a concern to me. It's the same people who, if if Tom Izzo breathes on one of his players, they say, "Ah, oh, this is a this is an affront to the profession and embarrassing." You know, it's not always a good look. But talk to the players. Like the player, the player. I, I care more about what the player says than, uh, you know, the. I don't want to single anyone out here, so I'll just stop there. I'm not putting too much into that. 
there's been a lot of conversation about, again, this is where you, choose my words carefully here. No, I don't need to. No one's listening to this. Uh, Sheila Ford Hamp wears, wears this because the, allowing Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn to come back and make the decision to draft Jeff Okuda number three overall, which is the highest a corner had been drafted since 1997. Um, it, it's, mal, it, it's organizational malpractice. You trade away your number one corner, then draft a rookie corner with the third pick in the draft. Of course those guys were going to make some sort of self-serving selection there. It's not Jeff Okuda's fault that they picked him there. It's the same reason, like, people kind of dog on him. It's the same reason I-, I couldn't personally get mad at Eric Ebron. The Lions picked him in the top ten. It wasn't his fault. You're worth whatever a team is willing to wherever a team is willing to pick you, whatever they're willing to pay you. Now, Eric Ebron turned into a, a douche on social media, mixing it up with fans and being petty. Like he did that to himself. But on the surface, it's not his fault the Lions used their draft capital on him when they shouldn't have. It sucks for Jeff Okuda, man. It seemed like the staff was confident he was turning a corner. The people who actually watch practices, the, the beat, who I think the Lions beat is probably, no disrespect to anyone else, probably the best collective group of, of beat writers we have in this town. All those guys said that Jeff Okuda had a hell of a camp. Not without his warts, but, and again, the expectation's high because if you draft a cornerback that high, he has to be Jalen Ramsey. And after last year, you just had to wonder if he was going to be playable or not. And now he's gone. And, uh, you know, those types of decisions from ownership to let guys that uh, had a track record of, of things not working out, to let them return because you had a hunch, you had a feeling. Sheila Fordham and Rod Wood don't know shit about football. They don't know what failure looks like. They don't know what success looks like. They only make decisions when they have to. Because they're only ever worried about how they look. How things will look. How the organization looks. This is why it bothers me. And this goes, I mean, the Calvin stuff, I'll roll that in here too. You know when Calvin Johnson will come back to the Lions when Rod Wood is not the team president? He'll sign. I'm sure he'll come back and he'll do the events and he'll get his money paid back. Not as long as Rod Wood's here. Because Rod Wood is a pencil pusher that has no business being involved in football decisions. Period. The team president has to have a feel for how the organization, for how a football organization works and is supposed to be run. What success looks like. What failure, failure looks like. Not, uh, oh, these are good guys. We're going to give them one more go at it. And look, no, when people look at why Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes were given six-year deals or whatever it is, 
You know why they're being afforded that time? Because the prominent decision makers in this organization set this franchise back two to three years. The clock for when this this franchise gets turned around doesn't start until there's a rookie quarterback in here. I'm not going to do the two and Herbert thing, but again, if you're making the argument there would have been better picks over Jeff Okuda, it's hard to argue that. And they know they screwed up, and they they the culture change. I'm buying it. The front office is terrific. I like Brad Holmes, John Dorsey. That you got all these people that have been in the game and have been productive and have been part of winning organizations. You have them on your side now, and they're staying out of the way for the most part. I know they like being included in meetings and stuff, but they're letting those guys do their jobs. And they're not trying to patchwork this thing. They're, they're going to let the guys in charge try and build it right. And they deserve credit for that, but they deserve criticism for letting it get to this point. I don't know how... You have, like, an owner... An owner has to have a feel for the culture of his or her, their, whatever organization. The second that Matt Patricia was hired things started going sideways real fast. They didn't even have to play a preseason game yet. They didn't even make it a month out of the hiring process before Matt Patricia's ass was on the hot seat with the personal stuff that came out about him. They let some things go unchecked, and because they weren't totally up to speed with what was going on in there, they let those guys back for another year. And again, it's not Jeff Okuda's fault that he was drafted by a lame duck crew. But let's not, let's, this is a results, a results oriented rebuild now. I don't want to hear about the cult, how the culture has changed. I don't want to hear about how operations have changed until we see in a couple years, the players that are on this roster, the wins that are being put up on the field, the progress that's made. Seems like they're they're everyone's more aware of building a positive culture, cultivating a positive culture. That's fine. It's all fine and good. But I don't want to hear how Sheila Fordham deserves the benefit of that. I, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it from anyone. Let this process play itself out. Be competitive this year. Find out who's here for next year and build on it. We're not doing the PR thing here. We're not doing the PR spin. It's a long-winded rant about uh, it's not even Jeff Okuda's fault. It's just let's let's just tap the brakes a little bit on on exonerating Sheila Fordham. Okay. So I'm gonna answer a quick question and then get out of here. Uh, this one was from Michigan Mamba. He asked me, uh, Josh Gordon is apparently about to be reinstated again. Uh, would would the, should the Lions be interested in bringing him in? No, because right now I think what they have, um, I think who they bring in, they need to see if they can be someone who's a solution long term. And, and Josh Gordon, how, what is this? Chance five, check chance six for him. Yeah, I'm. Uh, 
the best ability you can bring to the table is availability. And this team, this team will be losing a lot of football games this year and probably next year. That guy's going to get bored. And what's going to happen from there? So, I mean, no, we're done with the Josh Gordon stuff as far as I'm concerned. See what you have here and go from there. But, all right, that's going to do it for me here. Uh, leave a five-star review, five-game sweep, wherever you get your shows, Apple, Google, Spotify. It's all there. Uh, five-star reviews are great. Uh, feedback is good. You can follow the Twitter account at Five Game Sweep. Follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. So long show, long-winded show. But, hey, I enjoy doing this. So thanks for indulging me once again, and we'll talk to you next time.